have the, the privilege today to talk about everybody's favorite subject, um, money and finances. And um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And undoubtedly, we're going to have some people here, and it's their first time in church in forever or their first time in church ever. And because um, we always have new people whenever we talk about finances, that's just it's the way it works, right? Um, so a couple, uh, a couple of quick disclaimers. Um, number one is that uh, Jesus talked about finances a whole lot. Um, God talks about finances a whole lot in the Old Testament. Paul talks about finances a whole lot. So we are unapologetic in this because God does care quite a bit about how you use your finances, how you steward it, um, and how you um, give with it. Um, that being said, although we are unapologetic about it, this is not something we talk about every single week. Um, I'm pretty sure Pastor Joey preached one sermon on it, uh, maybe January, February of last year. Uh, we, have, we have our whole year scheduled out for, for our sermons, and uh, this is the only time we're preaching on it this year. This is not something that like, yeah, the church is all about your money. It's just this is an important topic that needs talked about. Amen? Um, the last thing that I want to say about it is that um, the Bible says that there is no fear in love. Um, I'm going to say that there's also no shame in love. Um, so if you are like, hey, I've never given a dollar to a church in my life. I've never given a dollar to a homeless person in my life. Um, listen, that's okay. There's no shame in that. Uh, but we want to encourage generosity today because the Lord has been generous to us. And so we're actually going to start with that, um, God's generosity. Um, I did want to mention as well, uh, because uh, I've, I've forgotten the last couple of weeks here. If you guys haven't seen Brandon yet uh, in the last couple of weeks, they just had their baby, Brandon and Jess. He's our worship leader, and uh, that's their fifth child, so they are just massively overwhelmed at that house. I literally can't fathom five kids. Um, I feel stressed out literally thinking about it. So um, send him a card or $1,000 or um, a meal or something because they're phenomenal, um, and five kids is just nuts. So um, Brandon, if you happen to be watching this, we love you. We're so so grateful for you and can't wait for you to be back leading worship here. Um, although we are super grateful for Stephen and Mary um, in his stead. Um, so um, I also wanted to mention iPhones and Androids while I'm talking about things that I, I missed here. Um, listen, as an Android user and somebody who works at a phone store, um, Androids are better. Good talk. <laughs> Listen, at house church the other day, somebody in our house church said, uh, my phone's been broken, so I haven't been able to, to talk to anybody. And, um, working at a phone store, I have just way too many phones. Um, so, like, it's just part of the gig. Like, there are people who have 10 personal phones at my store. Like, it's just, it's just, just is what it is. So I was like, hey, look, I have an extra phone. I'll give it to you. Um, and it's a good phone. It, like when it came out a year or two ago, it was like 700 bucks. It was, it was a good phone. She was like, is it an iPhone? And I was like, no. And she's like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, you don't have a phone. So it's, it's okay. Listen, Androids are better. All right. God is generous. It's 
today we're going to be talking about the generous God. All of our generosity, all of our response in our finances is rooted in this. It's rooted in the fact that God has been generous to us. And we're going to see this all throughout the Bible. This is just a constant theme over and over again. We see this in the beginning pages of the Bible. Uh, We see this all throughout it, and then we see it all the way in the very end. So um, today we want to touch on the fact that God is generous in creation. Um, We're going to talk about how he's generous in salvation, and he's generous in revelation. Um, If you like that, I'm a pastor, and I got all those Asian words. That was great. Um, Good work, Josh. Um, So we're going to start in Genesis uh, chapter 1. So we see this literally on the first page of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, starting in verse 28. We're going to read this. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So right off the bat, literally 28 verses in, and we see God giving dominion to the people on the earth. And then in the next verse, we see God supplying their physical needs by giving them all of the, all of the plants for food. In fact, God is so generous in this first portion of Scripture that he then gives to the animals. He's not just generous to us. He's generous to all of the creation. So right off the bat, we see God giving dominion and supplying needs. We're going to move pretty quick. Um, So stick with me here. We're going to move on to Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. So he's generous in creation. Right off the bat, we see it. Then as we move through the Bible, we're going to see he's generous in salvation as well. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says this. Though he, he being Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. And he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. For those of you who haven't been here for the last few weeks, Pastor Joey was speaking on this portion of Scripture, Philippians 2. We did a three-week series called Forward. You can find that in the app. You can go on our YouTube page, Facebook page. Check it out on the podcast, wherever you want to see it, hear it. If you didn't hear that um, series, you want to hear that series. I frequently say when I'm exhorting, when I'm preaching, whatever, pretty much if I have a microphone in my hand, um, I'm going to be talking about Philippians chapter 2. Because it is the purest picture of the gospel that we can see in just a few verses. Um, But here's what it says says he gave up his divine privileges. 
So first, God gives us dominion, and he gives us all of our needs, and then he gives us himself. And he gives up everything that he has to come and be with us, and he dies a criminal's death on a cross. Lastly, we're going to see how he is generous in Revelation. His generosity extends through the end of time. So on the last couple of pages in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, it says this. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. He just gives. He gives and he gives because it's who he is. There's this old quote. And, uh, I don't know who it's from, so we're going to say it's from me. Um, and uh, that's, that's the way it works, right? It says this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And because God is love, he just gives. He gives everything. He gives us all that we have. Starting with dominion of the earth. Ending with eternal life. God has been generous to us, church. So how do we respond to this generosity? And this is kind of where we want to um, spend some time this morning. So all of our, our lives are, are lived in response to God. You could, you could sum up the Christian life in that way. That everything that we do is in response to what Jesus has done. So as we look at this portion of Scripture that we're about to read, we're thinking about how are we now responding to God's generosity. And um, I'm going to say that we're going to respond in three ways and in, in Obviously, there can be more added to this. Um, but there, we're going to focus on three things today. Our response is going to be contentment. It's going to be generosity of our own. And it's going to be joyfulness. And so, as we look at God giving to us, this brings us contentment. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Guys, I know I have a ton of um, scripture and we're bouncing around a lot. Um, I was complaining to Joey. I don't like to preach topically, so um, I uh, I like just having like a portion of scripture that he gives me, and I'm like I'm just gonna stick there. And he gave me a, a topic today, so um, so I'm making up for it by bouncing around from scripture to scripture like crazy. Hebrews chapter 13 verse five. Keep your life from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I love that because he says, keep your lives free from money and be content. Why? Because Jesus will never leave you and Jesus will never forsake you. That contentment is rooted in Jesus' generosity to us. It's rooted in who he is to us. A.W. Pink says this, and by the way, um, I'm just going to make a blanket statement forever and all time. Um, when we quote people, it does not mean that we support everything that they ever said. Um, so uh, I, 
I like A.W. Pink. Um, there are some really great things that he says. There are some things that I disagree with. So if you look them up, um, that's okay. Um, but I'm just going to make that blanket statement um, so that Joey doesn't have to do the whole Joel Osteen again uh, and it, ever again. We just we're just past it now. Um, no more coming back to that. Praise him. A.W. Pink says this: Contentment then is the product of a heart resting in God. It is the soul's enjoyment of that peace that passes all understanding. It is the outcome of my will being brought into the subjection, into subjection to the divine will. It is the blessed assurance that God does all things well and is, even now, making all things work together for my ultimate good. Our contentment isn't based on what we have. If we start allowing ourselves to be content only when we have all the things that we want, we'll never be content. So, like, if you talk to somebody who makes a ton of money, chances are, if you say, how are you working to make a lot more money? They've got 70 things they're going to rattle off to you, right? Having more does not make you more content. In fact, Often having less will allow you to be more content. So when we look at Philippians and we look at Paul and he's writing from prison, he's literally in prison for the gospel. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We like to use that verse a lot, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and we use it a lot for like, I can, use, I can do all, th like I can start a business that makes a million dollars, you know? I can uh, make it through this hard time and be victorious. And it's like, Paul's actually saying, like, I can live with literally nothing. I can be in prison, and I'm going to be totally and absolutely content in my circumstance. That's our response to God. Because he's provided everything for us. So we no longer have to strive or try to get to the next level of success or get to the next level at our job or get that next promotion or get that bigger house because he's provided everything for us. So our contentment isn't found in the natural. It's found in Jesus. G.K. Chesterton says this, there are two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and the other is to desire less. There was one time um, Joey had like a G.K. Chesterton quote. I, I don't know if I can tell this story, but he had a G.K. Chesterton quote on his um, dry erase board at, uh, at a church that we were at. And uh, I came in one time into his office and somebody there had like uh, written underneath it and he wrote, G.K. Chesty is my bestie. Um, and ever since now I see Chesterton and I'm like, G.K. Chesty, he's my bestie. 
Um, it just goes through my head. So just to let you guys know what's going on in my head while I quote um, G.K. Chesterton, uh, I'm thinking that in the back of my mind. John Piper says this, Christians can be and ought to be content with the simple necessities of life. By the way, this is a long quote, so stick with me. First, when you have God near you and for you, you don't need extra money or extra things to give you peace and security. God is always better than gold. Second, we can be content with the simplicity because the deepest, most satisfying delights God gives us through creation are free gifts from nature and from loving relationships with people. And after your basic needs are met, accumulated money begins to diminish your capacity for these pleasures rather than increase them. Buying things contributes absolutely nothing to the heart's capacity for joy. Third, we should be content with the simple necessities of life because we, because we could invest extra um, in what actually matters, God's kingdom. Contentment is crucial to generosity because you'll never be able to be completely generous when you're not content with what you currently have. So our next point is that we're going to talk about generosity. We say this every week when talking about our tithes and offerings as we give. Generosity is an attribute of Christianity because Jesus was generous with us. And our generosity is not solely for the church. So as I talk about generosity today, as I talk about finances, um, just assume when I'm saying be generous, I'm not talking about give more in your offering. I'm saying live your life in a way that you are giving things up from yourself for others. So that, that includes here. Because I, I can tell you that everybody in this room um, benefits from this building, right? We can't gather as a corporate body without a building. Everybody in this room benefits from um, paying Joey a salary so that he can, uh, as Deuteronomy talks about um, with the Levites, he can devote himself to the law of the Lord, right? So he can, I, I can't devote 40 hours a week not everybody in this room can devote 40 hours a week to the study of Scripture, um, but that's like super important, right? So it's nice to have somebody who's got some extra time because they're paid to do it, um, to do it. So there is benefit to giving to the church. But as I'm talking about generosity, um, we're, we're primarily talking about living a life of generosity, not just here in the church. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 uh, through 44 says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copy, copper co coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that put in everything, all that she had to live on. 
Generosity is not based on making a lot of money. In fact, making a lot of money is a very scary thing. I'm just being honest. The, the Bible teaches us in um, the story of the, the rich young ruler. He wraps it up by saying this. He says, it is easier for um, a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. So I'm not going to say that being rich is terrible. Listen, there were wealthy widows who supported Jesus' ministry. There were wealthy people um, in the Old Testament. But there are constant warnings about the dangers of wealth. And so I, want, I, wish, I wish I had time to preach a whole sermon on the dangers of wealth. Um, because honestly, a lot, a lot of Christian culture today and this is really where Joe, Joey focused in on for the last three weeks. A lot of Christian culture today teaches you to be successful and have influence and gain influence in politics and have money so that you can do things, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and what we see in the Bible is that Jesus, he flipped it. You don't gain influence by having a lot of money. You don't gain influence by having political power or fame. In fact, you should... Go the opposite way. You should lower yourself. You should give everything. Just as Jesus gave everything in Philippians 2. I, uh, I wish that I had the statistics here. I remember reading a, uh, a study a few years back from a, a group called Barna. Um, they do a lot of statistics, particularly on the church and, and things. Um, the lower your income is in the church currently, the more you give percentage-wise, statistically across the United States. So people making $20,000 a year are going to be giving close to 20%. People making $100,000 a year are giving like 3%. The average across the nation is actually 3% um, that you give. Making a lot of money can be dangerous. So if you are somebody who makes a lot of money, I want to encourage you especially, take a look at your heart. Take a look at your finances. Make sure they follow um, what you're preaching. And again, not here, not saying, hey, if you make $100,000, you better be giving 20000 to the church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you're, if you're making a substantial amount of money, you should be giving a substantial amount of money away. Um, and I know this is like a really serious topic. Um, and uh, in the church, it's like, it's really easy to get like excited about like, you know, the sins that everybody else is committing, right? The sins that the world's committing. Um, and we don't talk about like ourselves very often. Um, but this is something that I, you know, I have to check myself on. Um, regularly, like I, I have to look at myself and say, am I giving um, everything that the Lord has called me to give? And um, C.S. Lewis says this. I love this quote, um, but it cuts me deep. Um, C.S. Lewis, by the way, he's one of the guys where you can say, yeah, I just agree with everything he says. It's fine. You can read anything by C.S. Lewis. I'm going to put my stamp of approval on it. Um, that's extreme. Um, he said this, though. 
I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If your giving does not cost you something, then it's not enough. If your giving doesn't make you lower your standard of living, then it's not enough. I believe it was actually C.S. Lewis, while talking about this same subject, said that the, a mark of a Christian would be that those in the same income bracket in the same area live substantially better than them. I said this one time, and I had somebody telling people that I, um, that I was talking bad about their house, and I was like, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't even know where you lived. It's fine. Um, if you're feeling conviction about that, um, let the Lord convict you. That's okay. If, if your life is not marked by generosity, I would question if you understand God's generosity. I'm not going to say I would question your salvation. That's, that's really extreme. Um, but I'm telling you as, you, as you understand God's love, as you grow in God's love and grow in contentment in what you have, that generosity needs to be set second nature. Which brings me to my last point, which is joyfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8 through 8 says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. You should give out of communion with the Holy Spirit. We could talk about the tithe. We could debate it. Some people believe in it. Some people don't. Um, that's okay. You know. In, by the way, fun fact for you: the tithe in the Old Testament um, was way more than ten percent. So they would give a tithe, um, which was ten percent to the Levites for them to be able to devote themselves to the Word of the Lord. Um, but then they would also give a tithe every third year um, for the celebrations for the the temple. Um, and for what they were doing. And then they would give another tithe every third year um, that went to the poor. So like here, it's like, man, if everybody gave 10%, our budget would be way too big. We, wouldn't, we would just be giving stuff away like crazy, right? Um, because we're like, hey, we're going to spend 30% of our budget on salary. And we'll talk about that at the business meeting. But like, like back then it was like, hey, one-tenth of your income, that's just paying people. And then one-third of one-tenth of your income, that's just going to poor people. Um, we're, like, trying to split it all for, like, all of it. That's neither here nor there, guys. Um, somebody stop me. There's no reason to talk about the tithe right now. Um, <clears throat> we could debate about it. Um, there, there are two sides of it. People who would look at, you know, Jesus and, and when he said uh, to the Pharisees while rebuking them that, you tithe, but you have neglected this. Don't forget the tithe and, and also the... 
And, and we, many of us know that debate. Um, and then there's this verse in 2 Corinthians that each one should do just as has, uh, he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, um, because God loves a cheerful giver. Um, I, I stand very firmly as a, maybe the tithe is still for today. Um, so I, I hope that clears things up for you. Um, but whether or not the tithe is like, this is it, God loves a cheerful giver. And he, he loves it when you do it not out of compulsion. Not because Pastor Josh is up here telling you need to, telling you you need to give more. Not because, you know, you saw somebody who was giving more and you felt bad that you had too much stuff but because God has given you so much that it's a natural response to him. That when we see that God has provided every need for us, you see, every single thing that we have was given to us by God. Giving back to him in church and outside of the church is just a response and just giving him back what is his. I promise you, church, he will always provide for you. I can assure you of that. Because his name is Jira, provider. So as we, we look at this, giving can be joyful because we're not worried. Matthew chapter 6, and we're doing a series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount a little later this year, and I'm Super excited about that. But Matthew chapter 6 says this. that um, It says that uh, if he provides for the sparrows uh, who neither sow nor reap, how much more will he give to us? We see this constantly throughout the Bible. Matthew 7 says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Later it says, How much if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give you good gifts? His generosity is, is all throughout the Bible. Our lives are lived in response to that generosity. So when we live our lives in response to that, we will be content in what we have, trusting that he will always provide for us, not striving for more. We will be generous with what we have, because we're not worried about the future. And we'll be joyful to be able to be part of God's kingdom in this way. To partner with the generous God who gives all good things to us. We now get to give good things to others.